Hey, welcome to Transform Your Workplace. It's Brandon Laws, your host. This episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. Zenium is supporting small and medium-sized organizations for their payroll, HR, leadership development, so much more. Starting 4-1, April 1st, we are launching our annual Beyond Compensation Total Rewards Survey. That is a free survey. Sign up at zenimhr.com. I'll also have a link in the show notes where you can just click it and uh, fill out the form and sign up. This episode today is with Diane Schwartz. She is the CEO of Reagan Communications and the Workplace Wellness Insider. We dive in deep today to talk about COVID's effects on important issues like mental health and workplace connection and the alignment of values during this challenging time. So you're going to get a lot out of this. Enjoy the episode and I'll talk to you next week. Diane, it's such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Brandon. So we're in weird times right now. I often think about the well-being of people, especially amid this pandemic. What's the data saying right now? And I don't know if you probably don't have anything necessarily handy, but maybe there's some Gallup studies or anything that you're aware of that would shed light on how employees' mental well-being is doing right now. For sure. There's a lot of data out there on this. And I believe like every week it's changing and it's not surprising, right? I mean, we're we're all going through this together universally. You know, mental health is probably top of mind for everyone in HR and any business leader in an organization. Their own mental health, not to mention every one of their employees. The data, the Gallup data showing year on year decrease, you know, people self-identifying as not as happy, gone down about 8%. I mean, surprisingly, about 76% say they are feeling excellent or good. Wow. Um, Surprising. But it's still lower than years past, probably at its lowest. Even, you know, 20 to 30% is a pretty high number who feel like their mental health and those around them have really plummeted in the last year. So it is a very serious issue. It's never been so low, I think, in, you know, the surveys and we're still going through it. Yeah, it makes me wonder. I mean, with data like that, it's it's always great as an awareness tool. I mean, it's really depressing mm-hmm. data, if you ask me, but it's it's always good to have awareness, but we got to do something with it. Otherwise, there might be long-term effects. If we did nothing, what do you think the long-term effects would, would be? <laughs> like if employers didn't step in and say, we need to help our employees with their mental well-being and, and maybe institute some wellness programs or something, but like what would the long-term effects be? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think this past year has shown that organizations can and should play a role holistically in everything that we're doing. I mean, when you look at it on the political spectrum, the healthcare spectrum, financial spectrum, I mean, brands and organizations have really stepped up or have reframed their purpose Mm -hmm. so that they're doing more and employees expect that 
from their organization. So just as they expect their employer to take a stand on social justice or you know vaccinations or other areas, they also need to take a stand, you know, right with their internal customers, which are their employees. So I don't know of any organizations that are saying, I'm just we're going to do nothing about this. <laughs> right. They realize that they have to do something. I actually think the silver lining in the last year, 2020, and even right now as we're still experiencing this pandemic, is mental health is being destigmatized. It has been a stigma, and people will talk to their friends and colleagues about other health issues that they have, really to the point of, you know, TMI, like that's too much information. <laughs> but when it comes to mental health, it's, you know, it's a secret, or people feel very self conscious about that. So I do think organizations are doing a pretty good job, or at least are trying harder to destigmatize mental health. Something I hope that employers are doing is opening up the dialogue to talk about it. And it sounds like if it's being destigmatized, maybe that is happening. But we're a year into this pandemic. And if that dialogue is starting to happen where employers are asking employees, what do you need from us? You know, what do you need to be happier, to have balance in your life, well-being, all that? What are employees saying? Do you know if there's any data? Have you collected any yourself? Yeah. I mean, at Reagan and our Workplace Wellness Insider, we we write about this every week. We're talking to wellness, HR, communications professionals, other business leaders, and I mean, right now, employees are feeling very burned out. You know, the the divide between work and life. I mean, it's just one big mosh pit. So I think burnout is one, but I would say that it's burnout in general, you know, between work and life. So there's a sense of burnout. There's a sense of being always on, you know, there's the Zoom fatigue, the meetings, the mandatory, you know, Zoom happy hours and meetings, I think are really, um, they're good. And they, and for some, they're not so good. But um, I think employers are hearing from employees that they need their personal space. They are expecting employers to step up and be mindful of work hours being more flexible. I'm sure we'll get into more of this um, soon, but you know, large organizations or even mid-sized organizations are able to offer employee assistance programs, right. which are must-have <laughs> for organizations. I think most HR um, leaders would agree with that. There's also affinity groups that employees are finally taking advantage of. They used to seem like you know, a really small percentage of employees would join these groups. But now there's a group for everything and it helps you connect. And I think connecting with your colleagues and your tribe, you know, within the organization improves mental health. You mentioned the word burnout and I hear that thrown around a lot. And I wonder if burnout has something to do with the lack of connection that people are feeling. Like if they're on Zoom all day or they don't have access to these affinity groups that you're describing, that maybe that has something to do with the way people are feeling burned out. What do you think? I I totally agree. You know, that human connection is really important. And I've been sort of referring it to as a democratization of the you know, workplace or the desk um, where you can be on a Zoom call and everybody's Zoom box, you know, is the same 
same size, same configuration, <laughs> CEO, and you know that new entry level person. Yeah, everybody looks the same, even though their background might be a little different. So I think that human connection, even by video, is is helpful. You know, there's limitations on that. I think there's less feedback that employees are getting from their managers. Yeah, it's you know, driving like, the it's driving the millennials nuts. We need instant feedback. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, not being in the office and just learning by osmosis, just hearing the the conversations over the cubicle or down the hall, um, just watching other people work and being part of those meetings. It is really unfortunate, sort of like our schools right now with kids not being in the classroom. Right. I mean, it's a little unfortunate that those millennials and younger generations are not in the office right now. But again, trying to find the silver lining, I believe when we do get back to the office, there's going to be a different way of working where there's going to be even more connection for people. Now, a lot of people go into work back in the day, like a year and a half ago, you know, and they may go into work and really not talk to that many people. Right. You know, they're emailing the person next to them instead of actually having that. So I think when we get back into the office, employers are already thinking about this. You're going to go back to the office to collaborate, to have meetings, to connect, and you're going to yeah. spend your time working from home on the more cerebral, you know, the bigger projects, things mm -hmm. like that. So that's a good thing. Yeah, it's interesting you say about the connection. So yesterday, I... Got an email from a colleague just about a project that I was working on with her. And I just I wanted some clarification. I could have easily done it in, in an email, which is what my typical default would have been, even in the office, like an instant message or an email or something. But instead, I just called her on a video call just because I felt like I needed that connection. And I do, I do believe what you're saying. When we get back to the office, whenever that may be, I feel like people will have this newfound connection in person. They'll probably maybe not use instant messaging, chat, email as a crutch anymore. What do you think about that? Yeah, I agree. I, I think the first three to six months are going to maybe be even a little awkward, you know, <laughs> less hugging and you know, things uh, like that. I'm, I'm a hugger though. Like that, I find <laughs> I have a problem with that. <laughs> I need to wear a certain bracelet if you want to be hugged or something. I don't right. Know. That's good. Yeah. Like, Hey, I'm open to <laughs> hug. That's good. Yeah. But no, I do think that's going to be that will be a positive thing. People are going to want want to have those face to face meetings. Yeah, are employers or employees is anybody sharing optimism about returning to work, like with the vaccinations that are maybe becoming available and maybe safety precautions or PPE or anything like that that would give people some hope that. We'll be back. Yeah, our research with our community, our communications leadership council, and some other you know research that I've seen points to most offices staying closed. I mean, obviously there are still people going into offices now, but for the most part, in terms of return to the workplace through the summer, most offices are staying closed. I've been talking to people who are looking at like September, October, starting to oh. open up the office, but being very flexible, yeah. not really expecting if you don't want to come back, you don't need to. Um, and then really, you know, figuring out what their policy is as of January. I mean, figuring yeah. that out in the fall for, you know, 20, 
22. You know, it's interesting when you say that because I've heard I've heard that a lot even with, you know, with my organization and the organizations that we support, there's this uncertainty around returning to work and I think, you know, for an employer or just as an individual too, like you hate not having control over your destiny. But there are some areas we can control which would be giving people what they need regarding their their working style, their wellness, all of that. Do you see any employers Adding benefits, perks, wellness programs, anything that would help their mental health, you know, help us get through these weird times. Yeah, absolutely. We're seeing a lot. It's almost, and there are so many vendors now popping up. Yeah, right. I shouldn't say take advantage, but really to help. Fill a need. (laughs) Fill a need. Thank you. I do want to say about, you know, some research on returning to the workplace, Pew Research Their latest shows that more than half of people surveyed say they um, would want to continue to work from home, even once they're vaccinated. Now, whether they want to and whether employees will allow that, you know, that's where we're really at right now. And I do think that even though everyone's talking about we're going to be very flexible, there's going to be a need for people to come into the office at least, you know, a couple times a week uh, if they can. On the other hand, there are a lot more, and this kind of goes with the perks, I suppose. There are a lot more employers, even you know, my company, where we're now the talent pool is so much larger yeah. because we're not restricting it to where our headquarters are. And so that allows us to bring in a more diverse workforce. You know, not everyone's from the same region. I think that's that isn't necessarily diversity, but you know, it does open up the talent pool for us in terms of perks. I mean, let's just start with office furniture, right? And people like making sure that if they're working from home, I think more are asking for some accommodations in terms of their office space if they have an office or standing desk, things like that. There are a lot of employers that are giving subscriptions to their employees for relaxation apps like Headspace or things like that. Flexibility in work hours, a lot of working parents, a lot of kids at home. (laughs) <laughs> my kids are a little older, so don't need to worry oh, about that. But- I was breaking up a fight before we got on this this call. My kids are, you know, grade school level, and it's it's challenging. Yeah, there's someone on my team whose wife is homeschooling. Decided to homeschool the kids, and so not only are the kids home, but the spouse yeah. is actually like teaching them. Yeah, that's that's my situation. Hours. So I think stipends to improve the home office, even meal allowances, or, you know, there's more underwriting of DoorDashes and Uber Eats types of things, subscriptions and Netflix, things like that. Some of it is just common sense things. Companies have been offering all along, but now more people are hankering for it. Think if somebody had gone to their manager and said, "I'm, I'm really. This was maybe two years ago. I'm really stressed out. I love to get this app. It's a subscription, fifty dollars a year. Will you underwrite it?" You know, most managers probably would say yes. You know, Um, but employees had not been asking for that until now. Um, The more that you can get ahead of that, though, and surprise and delight employees with some of these offerings, you know, the better. It was funny. The other day I ran across uh, a meme and maybe you've seen this one. It was like, 
employees are burned out. And then it was like a cylinder full of water was leaking. And then you could see like a, almost like a bandaid with the person saying <laughs> like mental health webinar, like just a one-time deal. Like here, here's how you can solve your mental health problems. What do you say to employers that like try to use a bandaid approach, like a one size fits all here's some education about your mental health. Okay. Go do it. Like, what do you say to them? Well, you know, it's like easier said than done, right? And take this course and you'll be better kind Mm -hmm. of thing. You have the vocal minority in an organization, you know, and as a leader, you have to really be careful not over-index on things, but it's smart to offer something like, you know, to offer training and to offer resources like that, understanding that not everyone it's not going to be their cup of tea. That's not going to be the thing that appeals to them. That's why you need to have a menu of of things that appeal to different tastes. There will be people who will eat that up and love going to the workshops that you provide in the webinars and others who wouldn't attend one. There's this, you just said menu and that reminded me. So uh, probably years ago. Restaurants, eating at restaurants. Those were the days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, those were the days. The menu, like what I was going with with that was I had a colleague talk about this idea of a menu of benefits and perks options that are above and beyond like a standard benefit program or something. So let's say there's like this one size fits all benefits approach where, you know, same deductible, same plan design, all that stuff. But then there's maybe like an allocated amount of money that employees can choose what want. Have you ever heard of anybody doing that? Like, you know, you can use money for massages and um, beach body membership for physical. Like, have you seen anything like that? I have seen that. And um, there are vendors out there that have affiliate partners so that, you know, employees can choose like on an app, different benefits that yeah. company pays for. And so they can choose exactly what you're talking about, different fitness programs or meal programs, things like that. Also kind of related to that and going back to mental health, AI and artificial intelligence driving sort of some of the mental health progress that we're making where employees don't necessarily, this goes back to the destigmatization, they're being able to freely share how they're feeling and having, you know, AI to some degree help personalize what their needs are before, you know, there's any human interaction. I think so AI, AI for good, you know, kind of thing with mental health. And so the personalization of mental health care and other areas of wellness, financial wellness is really important. If you are in over your head in debt, you know, you're bringing that to work. You're bringing the whole person to work. So if you are dealing with financial stress, social stress at home, you know, which can be a lot of different things. It can be related to relationships. One of the top areas that people are getting counseling in or taking advantage of, you know, like telehealth services is around relationships right now because everybody's now home together. (laughs) You know, I think that there's going to be more personalization around that, but I think we need to look at all areas of wellness. So mental health, financial social, all of those things are interrelated and we must address. I think I saw this on your blog uh, when I was checking out Reagan Communications or maybe it was work 
Workplace Wellness Insider, but just idea of like people not using their PTO during this pandemic because they're like they're home and like everything is kind of blended together. Like, do you do you know what people are up to? Like, are they they using the PTO like as they regularly would, or are they just kind of hanging on to it for when they get back to the work and they actually can enjoy some separation? What's your insight? Well, it really depends on the organization. So at Reagan, we extended our 2020 PTO through March of this year. And I believe a lot of organizations did this as well. Maybe not through March, maybe it's even through June or maybe it was through February, but extending that, I mean, some people will say, well, what am I supposed to do with this time off? I can't go anywhere. So I'd rather (laughs) collect it. But I think from the financial, I think the CFO in an organization would say we can't just let people, you know. It's on the books. They need to get, yeah, they need to remove that. So a lot of employers are requiring PTO. Some are even paying employees to take, they'll pay them to both take PTO and take a week, you know, pick the week you're going to take off and we're going to pay you extra Oh, Did I you? like that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Who are those employers? <laughs> I, I don't want to put them on the spot, but right. they're healthcare organizations, actually. But um, yeah, so I think people are reluctant to take their PTO, maybe because work is not a bad thing, right? Like, as long as you're not like overworking. So maybe yeah. for mental health, it is good to keep working, but people need to take time off. Right. So since we're in this weird situation, I mean, what can employers do inside their culture to promote wellness, promote connection and kindness and appreciation and just this overall feeling of positivity when there's not you know, a lot to look forward to? There's more to look forward to now than if we were talking three or four months ago. I think there's a lot of progress being made all the way around, like with vaccinations and the economy will start to bounce back. People start to travel again, return to the workplace. This is all probably, you know, by the fall, but we should be planning for that now. And I think, you know, it starts with the leadership, right, and humanizing sort of what's going on at the top as well within you know larger organizations, especially where employees can feel very removed from the decisions being made in an organization. So going back to transparency and authenticity and inclusion, I think that's a really good place to start. I think a lot of people, and I don't want to, I'm maybe getting a bit existential here, but <laughs> I do believe in the last year people have really it clarified their value system and, you know, how short life can be and, you know, really caring about one another. And I'm not saying kumbaya every day at work or anything, but appreciating empathy within their organization. I think that can go a long way in making it a better workplace. When you're talking about values, I was thinking like, yeah, I heard something the other day that was saying like, okay, figure out like either as an individual and as a company, like what are your values? Like your maybe your top five or something. And then, you know, values by themselves are great, but without action towards those values or goals around them, they're not going to do much for you. So like, at least as an individual, if you know what your values are, maybe it's relationships or financial stability or whatever, make actions around those. And I think that's really helpful in a time like this where things are really tough for people. That's a great point. And they want their values and the company that they work for, they want 
those two align. Yeah. And one of the things that we're seeing, because we cover the communications discipline and communicators had a really interesting year this past year and we'll continue, you know, to, to be on top of this idea of like a company's purpose in their communities that they serve and getting their house in order first, right? Internally, before they go out there and start touting what a great company they are or, you know, their diversity and inclusion initiatives when they haven't gotten their own, you know, house in order, and then it really backfires. So I think communicators, HR, wellness professionals can really play a very positive role in making sure that their organization is living by the values that they're touting externally and that their employees are expecting of their company. And then employees will be really proud to be working there. I agree. And therefore happier. My guest today has been Diane Schwartz. She's the CEO of Reagan Communications and Workplace Wellness Insider. Diane, thanks for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and your companies and just anything that you know you want to say in parting? Yeah, thank you, Brandon. I can be reached at Diane S at Reagan.com if you want to email me and say hi. But please visit us at Reagan.com. That's R-A-G-A-N.com. Yeah, and I hope to hear from some of you. And thanks for your time, Brandon. Thanks, Diane.